I'm really just here because my, my friend's in jail. Can I get one of those ones with fancy blue feathers? Oh, what? Should I call you captain then? Who do I have to beat in a fight to earn one? I'll be damned. We got ourselves an ether tapper over here. An ether water? <clears throat> I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding. Misunderstanding? Assaulting an officer is a misunderstanding then. Guinevere, you are hereby ordered by Commander Reiner to serve five days hard labor and you shall be conscripted into the military. Additionally, hereafter, you shall be branded as an ether tapper. Yeah, 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 sure, but then someone mysteriously appearing in the middle of a military outpost? I don't think so. This is some mystical voodoo. Foundlings, and welcome back to another episode of the Gage Chronicles. This is Chronicle One, Chapter 46. Look at that, guys. I did it. We did it. I did it. We're actually using the term Chronicle in the Gate Chronicles, as I made that joke earlier, but you all didn't hear Quentin laugh like a little girl. Anyway, as I said, <laughs> I am your game master and host for this series, this episode, this session, all those things. And today I am joined by. Uh, hi, I'm Jaden, and I play Finevere Avere, a bard and aspiring merchant, a free spirit who was recently not so free, but is free again. I'm Charles Smoot, 57-year-old biology teacher, born and raised in upstate New York, currently played by Quentin, who is looking down at his papers. Wow, is that what I sound like? That's, that's a pretty good impression, I gotta be honest. Good job, Snow the GM. I guess that's why you're running this here show. But as she introduced, I am Quentin, and I do play Charles Smoot, 57-year-old biology teacher, born and raised in upstate New York, currently trying to figure out what this uh, air quote problem that uh, Valen and Kelsey said we have in store for us. Hmm, yes. Well, today I would like to begin the session by asking our audience a question. Why toenails? And you can answer that later, uh, I guess. We'll just continue on to ignore that. I want to know why that's the question. <laughs> it's the thought I had. So uh, think what? about it, audience. Now? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Anyway. Let's yeah, get... please feel free to find us on our social media on Twitter and Instagram at RollFound or join us at our Discord server link down in the description below and answer us. Hashtag toenails. Why toenails? Yeah, we're totally personalities. <laughs> So, after finding yourselves conscripted into Raylan's army, Charles Smoot and Finevere experienced a brief bout of boot camp life, but a frightening premonition appeared before them, warning them that it has begun. And now, armed with more questions than ever, the duo are relieved of their service. And of course, I know that you guys are going to come at me and be like, what has begun? And I'm going to tell you, that's a good question that we'll get to eventually. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good question, too. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought we'd begun, like, a while back, but apparently not. No, this is the beginning. All of that, that was the, the, the prologue to the book. Oh, Chronicle 2, let's Chronicle go. Chronicle 2! Actually, maybe. We'll oh, see. Oh, now we start, chron this is Chronicle 1, Episode 1. Everything before this gets renamed to Prologue? Yo! Oh. Well, that was the uh, Seeker Initiation arc. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Both of you being recently discharged from your duty in Raylan's military, you made your way and were greeted by the friendly faces of Balin and Kelsey. Though your greetings were cut off to the words, We have a problem. And, well, before you guys could really ask any questions, you were quickly tossed a pair of reins and instructed to mount up. Oh, are you sure Finnevere can do that? <clears throat> uh, uh, that Finnevere will get up on the horse, uh, or uh, where, where he is uh, supposed to go. Uh, I, I, do they have the cart? No. <gasps> My cart! They probably left it back in town. Still trying to uh, hide his hand. He'll try to discreetly get his white glove he uses for uh, stuff and slip it on. Put a pair of them on to be like less conspicuous. Do you have your gloves in your bandolier? Because your bag was not with you. It was with the cart. Uh, but I did make a list of what I didn't didn't have on, uh, let's see, gloves, flint, wool, coffee beans, sewing needle, wire, and rags. Those are my uh, bandolier items. They took the wire. They took my dang wire? They took the wire. They weren't sure why you would need a wire. They left you the sewing needle, but the wire, they're like, what, what? What what is this? I don't know. Dang it! Just just take it. So uh, you you were down a wire. Anyway, you guys have mounted up, and well, Finnevere, you reach for your backpack instinctually, but it is not there. Come on, Finn. We don't have time for this. Righto. Righto. Charles Moot will mount up on the Aquinthian, and we will begin riding off. Once we get further down the road, Charles Moot will query at Valen. Boy, what do you mean we have a problem? Oh, well, it's probably best if we just start from the beginning, right? That's a very good place to start, so go with the song. All right, so... We're going to begin my favorite anime trope of all time, going back to see what happened. Oh, flashbacks. Oh, flashback episode, let's go! We got into the city without much problem, of course. Charles, your emblem, he actually tosses it to you. Uh, roll a reflex to try and catch it. Uh, we might actually catch it with a 15. Yes, you are able to grab it as Valen has done a nice t- uh, toss. Although, if you hadn't been fast enough, it might have fallen right to the ground. Yes, and thanks to you, we were able to get to Vidin without much of a problem. And, well, we got the goods delivered with some minor issues. Well, they didn't indicate where we were supposed to find the customer. Randall Godsworn. Turns out there's quite a lot of Godsworn in the city. A lot of Randalls? No, more like uh, the clergy has uh, grown in the past few years. So wait, any member of the clergy is automatically renamed Godsworn? That the, or orphans. A renamed orphan? No, no. Uh, no, I think what he's trying to say, Kelsey speaks up, is that Godsworn is for both the orphans and... The people in the clergy. Oh, so anyone who is a clergy member or an orphan is renamed Godsworn. Yes, and it, it, what is it for the, the, the ISOs? Yes, all ISOs. But yeah, so we met the guy. It was really weird. There, there's like this whole observatory thing he has all the way up in the mountains. Turns out he was really interested in that giant uh, space junk rock, that thing. With the holes in it? Yeah, you mean the, uh, ore? Hmm, yeah. And then he also got a very large statuette, which was very heavy. I will have you know, David was not a help. He actually left us, like, way early. 
Uh, sorry, I was busy preventing Finnevere from getting attacked in prison. Yeah. Well, John went off. He went to find some lodgings for them, and then uh, Cece stuck with us for a bit. So we delivered the... Hey, do you mind giving us, like, the, the important bits of why we are in trouble? This is the important bits. Context is important, The fact that Cece was with you and then wasn't with you and then might be with you then where John's lodging is important? Charles, just let her do her thing. This has been a very long week. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what does uh, what does Charles what, what, do? What, while we were interrupted, uh, who who did John find lodging for? What himself and Cece, probably. Uh, it, it, for him and Cece. Um. Anyway, so he got all of that stuff, and then also we we gave him these paintings. And honestly, it was they were very interesting. All of them seemed to be depicting this. Uh, person. Anyway, uh, the guy was really interested in this one. Very pretty. Uh, somebody wearing a cloak with very green eyes. Excuse me, what? A guy wearing a cloak with green eyes? Yeah, both Cece and I found it very fascinating. Uh, like green, green irises? Yeah. Was there lightning in the picture at all? Uh, it looked a little stormy. Yeah, a dark and stormy night with lightning. They yeah. suddenly appear and then they vanish. Yeah, and you couldn't really see their faces. Yeah, not at all, right? Yeah, I wasn't sure who it was, but all of the paintings kind of depicted this person in different ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was a painting perhaps called It Begins? Or maybe like The Far Traveler? What? What? Galen also turns very quickly. <laughs> there were no names for these paintings. Do people name these things? Oh, yeah, they're very, it's a very common thing to name painting. Uh, I don't remember a name being said. Just that uh, this Godsworn fellow was very uh, interested in them. And where did he get them? I don't know. It doesn't indicate on the documents where they were obtained. The only thing we know, though, is that the quest giver was... Oh, who's that fellow? He seems to struggle with remembering the name. Um, uh, weird and antique shop and the... Garbin? Garbin? Yes. From his yes. antiquities? Yes, that place. That's where at least who gave us the quest, but I'm not sure where he might have gotten himself. All right, so before I get more distracted by this, I'm sorry. Everything was pretty much fine at that point. Uh, we went back to the main city, had to go down this elevator sort of thing. She keeps using that word. I don't know what that means. A, a lift? Is that better? Yes, that's more clear. Kelsey, try using British English. British, British English. All right, here we go. No. Yeah, uh, what do you call it? You call it a loo, a lift, a, um, uh, a trunk. Charles, the loo is the bathroom. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then um, it, it, the thing you store something in when you're going to go travel, a big box, it's called a trunk. Uh, hold on, you're distracting me. Uh, so we got the second half of the quest token, and then we left there. Everything was fine. David made money. And then we went and we stayed at Valen's uh, house. And we met his mother. That was a very interesting experience. Let's not talk about it, all right? Oh, I want to talk about that later. All right? Absolutely. We'll have a conversation. So, anyway, you know what? How about I take over from here? We're getting too distracted. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I was saying from the beginning. I thought this was my story. So, the only reason why this is taking so long is because we've been trying to retrace everything that happened to make sure we're on the right track of what the problem actually is. So... All right, the story is, Vale invited us to stay at his family's manor in the city, and John didn't like the idea, which is why he wants to go find, um, 
a lodgings for him and Cece elsewhere in the city. And, well, we didn't really think anything of it at the time, but anyway, David and I have been staying with Balin since we got there. And then Balin had to pull some strings and bada-bing, bada-boom. And she seems to trail off for a moment, and then tries to think about choosing her next words carefully. But then Balin speaks up. There was a banquet, and my mother, being who she is, invited everyone to attend. And of course, Cece was there to receive the invitation. Okay, yeah, why is that problem? Sounds like something Cece would do. Which means there was no stopping her from attending. Exactly, and also, it sort of inhibited us from being able to meet with the king any time before that, which is why it took us so long to get here. Normally, if we had not had to deal with the banquet, we would have been about two or three days early. So, at least the banquet allowed me to present the case before His Majesty in a more beneficial situation. But then, that's sort of where the problem really began. And Balin and Kelsey then begin to recount to you the events of the ball, describing its luxurious festivities and delectable meals. All stables of the high society in Rayland. Balin offers a brief list of guests in attendance, including those such as Baron Asher, King Arctur, his cousin, Desmond Gray, along with his wife. And Balin glances back at Finnevere, pausing for a moment. Eyeless. <clears throat> was she well? Valen sort of studies your face for a moment. As well as one could assume. We don't really see much of her. And that's probably why it didn't occur to me that that was that man's wife. Well. What are you, what is that man? They don't get along. Who, who's that man? Uh, Desmond. Oh. My cousin, Desmond. Desmond what? Anyone that last name? Gray. Gray, oh. Okay, uh, I don't know if family believe maybe married into a different family. I don't know. No, no. Very close family. What's your beef with him? He pauses again and is hesitant to answer, but responds, Charles, you're getting us distracted from the main situation. Oh, yeah, here. what's the problem? Wait, what? How is any of this relevant? Just tell me what's wrong. Well, all right. Beyond the regular high society of Rayland, it seems the party's intention was to show a bit of Rayland hospitality to our visiting diplomats. Ah, the Red Guard are in town. Yes, namely yeah. one of the orders of the Red Kingdom. What do you, what do you mean, orders? The bishop. Not a religious figure? The Catholic Church? What? I, I mean, yes, he's a religious figure in a sense, but... They're essentially some of... I guess the term would be a general. Warnsburg. No, the bishop. No? Who's Warnsburg? No, he's just um leader of the Red, Red's Guard, in a sense. I think maybe a captain. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. It wasn't Warnsburg. That's good. Warnsburg was scary. Anyway, had I realized at the time who he was, I might have more pointedly intervened. Yeah. Well, I can tell you it wasn't Warnsburg. He was smaller. Probably, uh, about Finnevere's height. She points at him. Finnevere's <laughs> like pointing up himself like, me? I'm this short? I want you to imagine when you said smaller and like he's Red's guard and supposed to be an intimidating figure. I just pictured Napoleon mm -hmm. in my head. <laughs> she looks at you as you seem to be imagining something. 
No, he is not Napoleon. Oh, I'm sorry. You just mentioned, like, an authoritative military leader of short stature. It's the only thing I could picture. I think it's worse than that. Think more historical. Uh, N- Napoleon's very historical. No, it's worse. It's worse? Yes. The Jill of the Hun? He wasn't very short, though. Valen is looking back while he is steering his mount. Very confused. Gosh, Valen, brush up on your history. What history are you referring to? Ah, the only important one. Anyways, continue, Kelsey. Ah, anyway. Wait, what does this have to do with the problem? This is part of the problem, as you keep interrupting me. Don't give me context. Give me the problem. It's, uh, is, uh, uh, Finnevere and Smoot on the same horse? Uh, no. There were four. Hmm. Yeah, you're on Oh, Oh, wow. Red carpet. Balin can do stuff occasionally. So, yes, uh, Finnevere, you are riding your own mount. Although... If you need to, if the situation comes to it, we'll have a ride check rolled. And worst case, if you can't steer, somebody else will steer for you. But don't worry. Apparently, Pathfinder does not require ride checks. Crazy. It doesn't. It only requires ride checks if the situation is dangerous. I know. The circumstances are weird. Yeah. They're assumed the horses are trained. Yeah. Kelsey continues on. All right. This is still important to the situation because, honestly, you probably should know what this man looks like just to be on the lookout. Oh, okay. Uh, Napoleon. Got to continue. He was kind of slenderish. Uh, average height for a guy. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. average here. They all seem shorter than you, Mr. Smoot. Uh, so. my fault. Yeah. Probably about Finnevere's height is average. Okay. Yeah, sure. We've lowered the standard. Got it. Bill and nods. Wait, wait, wait. So your description to help me recognize a man was a slender done. individual of average height. I am not done. Uh, he had very long blonde hair that was kind of like pulled back and braided. Okay. Yeah. It was really weird. And he had like this long nose. Okay, listen. I got a good look at him because he came up to Cece and I. Uh, so, overall, he had been watching... Both of us that night for a while. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He came over and was talking with us for a bit, and he seemed mostly nice. Very charismatic. Ah, uh, but he kept asking us questions like if we were sisters or related. Kelsey then shakes her head tiredly. And then at some point, he asked for a dance with her, and they went off. I only heard a brief bit of their conversation when they were coming back. And... She continues to recount the story, and as she does, you get this very vivid picture in your head of what occurred that day. As the orchestra begins their decrescendo, the man pulls Cece in closer to him and seems to whisper something in her ear. She pulls back suddenly, a worried expression on her face, and it appears as though she mouths the words, Who are you? as he begins to escort her back over towards Kelsey. I am just one simple bishop, my dear. Nothing more, nothing less. He smiles pleasantly, momentarily breaking eye contact to scan towards the throne. You notice that King Arctur is standing and speaking about diplomacy between the two nations. I think that is my cue. Pardon me. He says as he begins moving towards the front of the room. Thank you, Your Grace. And thank you for such a great evening. Yes. Diplomacy is what we seek. We could be great allies. Both of our nations thrive in this time. (sighs) But there was a time when this was not the case. Ten years ago, 
Taija was reborn. And like on Phoenix, the Red Kingdom rolls from the ashes into the nation you see at your border. <coughs> Before that, the city was dying. The four clans warring threatened to tear the city apart. While the merchants watched in the high towers, and the victims starved. <laughs> but their pockets were lined. He says mockingly as hushed hissing and murmuring spreads through the crowd. But then, and miracle happened. Mota came. More concerned, whispers rushed through the crowd, but the bishop pays them no mind. This her she brought her chosen, and she wiped out the virus that was sucking our city dry. We purged our inequities. Kelsey peers over at Cece, who appears very upset, on the verge of tears even, and her entire body filled with a mixture of rage and sadness. Oot, we rebuilt. Once this sick flesh was removed, we could see the truth. In the end, she made us realize that it was not the merchants who were our true enemies, nor was it the clans. The crowd falls silent with those words, seeming to listen more intently. After all, greed is good. It drives innovation and wars occasionally. A slight chuckle echoes through his captive audience. <laughs> but no, it was not the merchants or the disagreements between the clans. They were corrupt, but they got that way because of those who hold power over all of us. We are stagnant. The truth is that we are stuck as on race. Our progression is halted. Morta showed us what we can become. And we can become gods. As those words fall from his lips, heavy, shocked silence fills the air. Only the soft step of his shoes can be heard as he turns about, scanning the room. It is not the merchants. It is not the clans. It is not us, but those who lock their ancient power in their vaults. More uncomfortable murmurs erupt as he continues. <sighs> On behalf of the Red King, we ask that you join us, unite under one banner, and we can become... A singular clap interrupts the bishop who turns startled in the direction of the noise. The clapping grows more persistent and is accompanied by a loud chortling. You see, as King Arctur rises up from his seat once again, a cold and warning smile dresses his features as he speaks. We should save this talk for a more private time. Come now, Bishop. The guests are hungry and waiting. You've only just begun to taste Rayland hospitality.
So the long and short of it is, Cece's been missing for the past few days along with John after the banquet. Wow, I gotta say, you do a very convincing German accent, Kelsey. I was very impressed. <laughs> Gosh. Wow, my storytelling skills are easily eclipsed. Well, well done. But also, Cece's missing. Well, they probably went into deep hiding, yes? We're not sure, Phelan speaks up. After the banquet, we didn't see anything of her, and neither could we find John. If Cece was genuinely missing and there was a problem, presumably John would have left something to notify us. Which leads me to believe that perhaps John has taken Cece somewhere for her own safety. Maybe, but it's a little concerning that they disappeared so quickly and without warning. Well, um, I'm sure it was a bit of a startle if, for whatever reason, she is avoiding the Red Guard for them to come with such force into such a kingdom, especially if she even danced with the bishop. Well, it's not like we would have recognized them anyway. They weren't wearing their regular garb that evening. So, at the very least, we could try looking into it to see if maybe we can find out where they went, or we just leave them be. Hmm. How long has it been since the banquet? It's been about three days. Mm. Just a little under, actually. Uh, what day of the week is it? Mondoon. The weekend just passed. Was the ball on Friday? Friday? Yes. All right, Friday evening. Got it. Yeah. And it's the journey from here back over to Sunai by mount without the wagon. He glares at Finavir from behind. <laughs> it is a little over two days. Have you... I guess you were coming to pick us up. You didn't really spend much time looking for Cece. No. Uh, did anyone check the place that John was last at, the lodging that he procured for himself and Cece? That's the same thing I was thinking. That's the part we don't know. You don't know where he got lodging? No. In fact, uh, Cece would come over during the day, and then John would come and pick her up. And no one thought to trail them? No, I told you that's why we thought this was more weird. Oh, goodness. Why would we trail them? To figure out where they're staying. Well, we didn't need to. Oh. Uh, At the time. You need to have a healthy dose of skepticism regarding all things. What if something like this happened? You would have been prepared. It did happen, Mr. Smith. That's what I'm saying. Where's your skepticism? You should have planned for this. To always assume the worst is going to happen. At the very least, my cousin agreed to keep an eye out for her. Hmm. What exactly does your cousin do? Why is that relevant? He's the captain of the Sinim Knights. The what? The Knights of Sinim. They are... <sighs> it is the term of the people of Senai. We are referred to as Sinim. Uh, so he's like the... Captain of all of the soldiers who patrol the town or something? Essentially captain of the guard. Specifically of the king's knights. Oh, so that's who I have to beat up to get a promotion. Goodness gracious! What? No, please, do not fight oh, I him. Like it. Why? He has picked a fight so many times. I was going toe-to-toe with my, my captain back he in Paris. He thinks it'll get him promoted somehow to... I don't know. What do you mean? This is clearly a measurement of strength and competence. If you can beat the person in charge, that means you should be in charge. I'm just saying. Oh, well, uh. no. See, Desmond will not hesitate to kill you. 
Well, that's fine. I'm a good fight to the death. That sounds like I get a little bit of power here. I can start pulling more strings. Except he has one of the more powerful Astaria stones. A what? The Astaria stone. The thing that caused the problem earlier. Oh, the voodoo rock that possessed Vinevere's mind. Yeah, I don't know how he became so... <sighs> she gestures with her hand. Uh, the, all right, fine, Balin. How do I get one? As I uh, said, you have to either receive it through the military... Or be a noble. Well, I was part of the military. Why didn't I get one? Because you were there for how many days? Oh, it was at least two weeks. Besides, not everyone gets one. Especially those who are deemed irresponsible. I was perfectly responsible. He looks you up and down. I only started one yard fight, and that was not deemed to be my fault. Which leads us to another problem. If I'm to be coming up to... Uh, into Raylun to be looking for Cece. What if I could... Uh, Vinavir. Kelsey rides her quickly up next to you. We're in Rayland. Oh, you know, you know, Rayland proper. This is the outskirts, right? No, we are in the kingdom of Rayland. Oh, he, he meant the... Yeah, the Senai. Senai, the, the city of Senai. So, Senai. All right. If I were to come to Senai proper, what if I were to walk within 15 meters of... I know, a noble carrying a Staria stone. Is this whole thing going to play out again? Is there anything I can do to prevent whatever that was? Does he need a tinfoil hat? It was surreal. It's like everything I knew changed. Well, unfortunately for you, Finnevere, no. Well. There's not much you can do other than avoid it. And generally speaking, the Staria stones in the higher of a concentration will cause you to have... And uh, well, a sort of incident. But, depending on the power of the stone and the user, maybe not as bad. Hmm. For example, you haven't reacted to mine. All right. Wait, Wait you, what? you've had one this whole time? Okay. Well, let, let me test out that bad boy. I, yeah, absolutely Do you not. have a short memory? What do you... Yeah, he said any one of the wealthy merchant families has them, and therefore he could lend his to me. What? No, I did I not. I want to know what they do. My god, Charles. I'm sorry, I don't know how your creepy voodoo magic works. Why can't you just pass the magic click-clack rock over to me and then I go boosh, ice magic? First of all, because it's illegal, I can't do that. Oh yeah, and who's watching? Me! Okay, don't let your conscience get in front of a good time. No, Mr. Smoot, really, please. I'm begging you to stop. All right, Charles, I will explain to you how it works. The answer is this. We don't know exactly. We just know that the Astoria Stones tend to give certain individuals affinity towards certain elements. That's what allows us to use Magicka. Okay, I get that. That's why I'm saying I want to try it out. I can't. Mine is not able to be handed out. Ah, all right. So, so. <laughs> Mr. Smoot, you're, you're acting more obsessed than I was. I was possessed. Well, listen, you're dangling. You're saying that basically anyone... Right, okay, you're right. We have a Wait, bait. maybe you have a natural affinity as well. He's like, starts, like, putting his thumb on his forehead and, like, on the chest, like, as if pressure points, but Finn doesn't really know what he's doing. He's like... But listen, he, all he was saying is that basically just anyone can pick up one of these and, like, boosh, fireball. No, not everyone can. Most people who are able to use them effectively have some sort of affinity, but there are different tiers of elements. For example, 
the most common elements are earth, water, as well as surprisingly light. And then the, the more uncommon ones, such as air, ice, or metal. Oh, so I see you think you're a big shot because you're an uncommon element. And then there are the rare ones. There's a fire, dark, and what we term as ether, which is as close to becoming like an ether tapper that you could be. And then there's one that no one recently has been able to obtain. It's more or less a subset of air, but it would be considered legendary, which is lightning. Yeah, so how do you know that I don't possess the power to shoot lightning from my fingertips? Hand over the clack clack rock. I can't. Mr. Smoot. It is not in a place where I can hand it to you. Would you please refrain from asking for the powerful rocks? Ah. Uh. I'm sorry. All I know is that I've been swinging this giant hunk of metal around and decapitating things. And you do a great job of that. Right, but like, what if I could swing an even larger piece of magic metal around and decapitate more things? And this is why, Mr. Smoot, you're not going to get one. Oh. Uh-uh. I will not let it happen. Why don't, why don't we just hand out these things like candy and then figure out who's the most powerful and then train them to be in the army then? We don't hand them out like candy because there are insane people like you. I think I am very proficient at what I do. Proficient at causing mayhem and malice? What do you mean? I have saved all of your skins more times than I can count. Well, that's beside the point, Mr. Smoot. I'm pretty sure that was the point I was making, thank you. (sighs) That's so smooth. But on the upside, for those of you who can actually tap into the ether... It can make you much more powerful, for a price. What? Does it years off your life, or...? Exactly. Oh. I was told, uh, at least in books and in myths, that you lose days off your life for casting simple spells. That seemed to be the logical deduction. Well, that's only if you are not using something for an exchange. From what we know about how regular magic or other tapping works... It requires an exchange that is equal, and occasionally, if you are able to cast something without your, let's say, what would it be considered a focus of sorts, component, if you cast it without it, well, the ether takes something from you in exchange. Hmm. Technically, anyone can cast without, not anyone, but technically any ether tapper could cast without using a component. Uh, Well, that's not true. I guess the component would be your life. Oh, that's very relieving and very eerie all at the same time. At least that's what I've heard. There's not many real ether tappers around. Very few. Yeah. Well, I wish I would have gotten a little more of a stern warning uh, before we headed in this far. I had no way of knowing that the that it was illegal for healing yourself. Well, in general, Finevere, you weren't doing it in front of people, but I was also going to warn you, but unfortunately, you sort of buggered off. Oh, well, fair point, I guess. Well, I guess I better do my research before I travel to another land. Wait, wait, also, on a a side note, which was what I was more worried about that the problem was going to be, uh, how, how did you get us pardoned? He actually kind of looks back towards the front and seems to take in a deep breath. I thought that was going to be the the big problem, you know? Um, he stays silent for a while, seeming to think about how to answer it. 
But Kelsey kind of rides up next to you. I kind of heard about it from his mom. But... Mr. Smoke, could you stop gesturing to me? Well, you can spit it out already, woman. I'm, I'm trying. I'm... Don't be picky with your words. No one cares. Just say it. Apparently, Valen is one of the few members in the nobles. A society that is... I guess the term would be favored by the king. He's like a... He's a candidate for the throne. Oh, you are Mr. Big Shot. Can we stop, please? Oh, what's your king? Can I get one of those fancy magic rocks, then? I can be like your bodyguard. He shakes his head. The likelihood of me actually becoming the king is very low. I have very little support. Well, you just said the current king favors you. Yes, but it doesn't matter if the rest of the noble families do not care for you. They'd assassinate you in a minute. Oh, that's why you hire me and give me an Astaria stone so I can protect you, right? Diplomacy. Hold on. I need the... the, the... I have nothing in diplomacy, however, comma... That was an 18 roll. <laughs> he kind of chuckles. Maybe someday, Charles. If it happens. No, no, I think we're past the tipping point. Finn will pull his Inquintian in front of Smoots, stopping them. Stopping Charles? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you would only stop Charles and kind of Kelsey? Valen is ahead of you. We need a moment. He slows down as you say that and kind of turns. Uh, Finn will be visibly upset. And he is going to request Mr. Smoot to get off of his equivalent. Mr. Smoot, may I talk to you privately now? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what we're doing. You just have him walk on ahead. Would you rather me just go ahead with Valen? For a moment, we'll catch up. All right, so she'll steer her equivalent around you and ride up next to Valen. They both kind of look at you, and then she sort of nods with her head for them to move on a little. Is there a problem, Finn? Smoot, you're acting weird. Weirder than usual. I'm not, I don't think I am. I'm pretty sure I'm acting my smoothly self. Let me see if I can put this in other terms. We are not moving one more step unless you tell me why you want these Astaria stones so badly. Oh, it's a very easy explanation, Minivere. We are overwhelmingly under-equipped for every task that has been put in front of us, and I feel underwhelmingly powerful. Now you're telling me there's some magic rock which can compensate and allow me to just effectively blow all my problems out of my way and let me finally get to what I want. So you think just by becoming more powerful, you'll get the information you need to go home? I think being more powerful certainly will expedite it immensely, yes! Well, I think that your carelessness has put you at more risk. My carelessness? Who is the one that got us detoured for two weeks because they got put in prison? And look who's starting the same thing. Oh, I'm not starting anything. Have I assaulted a guard wagon? Valen has put his neck out on the line for us. For who? You're the one who needed the pardon. There was no us. I chose to stay behind because I was being responsible. I think several fights with a mountain of soldiers would say otherwise. I'm sorry. I was not uh, court-martialed for anything. It is a miracle. You have... <laughs> a boon of the gods, perhaps. Uh, if I was blessed, I wouldn't be in this circumstance. I'm just trying to rectify it. I'm asking you, as a friend, please don't put your own personal agenda so far above the needs of the others that you put our important relationships at risk. And I don't think you understand, Finevere. The entire purpose of everything that we have been doing up until this point has always been my first and foremost call. You think Kelsey just wants to 
lollygag in this world forever. Sure, she's been able to smile, and that has been a great joy of mine. However, nothing will make her more pleased than being able to see her brother again, than David being able to see his nephew, and then me being able to see my family. If that is not your foremost goal, then we are completely misaligned here. Mr. Smoot, do you not think I've known that from the beginning? Or do I spend this time building up relationship and assets with people who are going to walk out on me forever? I don't know what you're doing, Vinevere. I really gotta be honest. I have been very consistent. I want my family back. I am willing to do whatever it takes to get there. If it's by beating up a captain of a guard and taking his Astaria stone to blast my way through the forest until I find the correct rune, then so be it. That's what I'll do. And if you had to go through me, would you do that too? I would very politely ask you to step aside. What if the cost was stabbing me in the back? Vinevere, I don't believe I stuttered. I said I would do anything to get my family back. And I would do anything to protect those I care about. As long as they don't get in my way and our goals stay aligned, you shouldn't have any problem for me. I hear you loud and clear. Let's catch up. And Charles Smoot will spur on his Aquinthian. The mood has further soured for the party. You guys continue your journey. And honestly, a lot of this has occurred over one day. With another day and some change left. You all sort of ride in an awkward silence. With tension building every moment that you ride towards Senai. Until finally... The Red Mountains of Rayland greet you. Though what should have been a welcome sight now forebodes of a darker mystery. And on the early morning of the third day, you find yourselves at the city gates. Pale white stone walls laced with golden trim encase its front while the mountain encapsulates the capital city of Senai from behind. The sentries stand decadently dressed in the white, gold, and blue colors of the kingdom, and emblazoned on the giant banners billowing in the breeze is the symbol of a rampaging crowned griffin. This is the pride and joy of Rayland, and yet a gray gloom hangs overhead, with rolling thunder rumbling, threatening to loose its deluge on the inhabitants below. At the gates, is the last checkpoint that Valen had warned you about, and you see the guards are there. All right. Can you two at least get along long enough for us to get through the city so they don't think anything is wrong? Nothing's wrong. I show them my secret pendant. I walk through the gates. I'm here on business. Yeah, well, you two have been a little... Uh, how do I put this? Uptight for the past few days? I've been my regular grumpy self. I don't know what you're talking about. If Finnevere's less chipper, I don't know what's wrong with him. Yeah, you're right. You got your eyebrow back already. You have the scowl. You guys begin riding your Quinthians up to the gate, which is relatively busy, though Valen sort of pushes past people on his mount and rides straight up to several of the guards, who he flashes what appears to be some sort of family crest, and they immediately back away for him to enter. And as Kelsey follows after, she shows her emblem as well. Charles Moot would be following very closely behind and will show his secret pendant. Okay. And Finnevere will do the same. Smoot will um, ride up alongside Valen 
uh, this, what was it, Rod, Roger and whatever God sworn, the person we delivered the cargo to. Randall. Randall. Where did you say he was? He actually looks up and gestures with his head for you to look in the same direction. Uh, would you like me to make a perception check? Absolutely. 15 total for Charles Smith. Your eyes glance over the city quickly, barely taking it in at this moment as your focus is on what Valen is gesturing towards. You see, up on these red-colored mountains near the peak, what appears to be a small architectural structure jutting out from it. It appears that that must be the observatory he was referring to. How do I get there? Well, it's okay, Valen. I can actually take him if you want. That's fine. So we'll go towards the back of the city and we'll take the lift up. The elevator? Or we can go up the stairs. Uh, I'm not opposed to cardio, but the lift certainly sounds easier. Yeah, I was going to say, if you wanted to do the stairs, you'd do it by yourself. It's, it's some great accomplishment. It's very, very high. Um, I guess I guess they're referred to as monks, clergy, whatever they are. They'll walk up the stairs. Oh, I definitely feel like I earn mad respect if I do that. Probably. Oh, well, I'm, I'm taking the stairs. Afinavir, <laughs> uh, did you want to make a perception check? Uh, sure thing. Uh, that's an 11 perception. <laughs> okay. So, in general, you both finally get to take in your surroundings. The city is beautiful. Even the dark clouds above could not hide this testament to the wealth of Rayland. Banners and flags are strung above the cobbled pathways, waving proudly in the wind. Crowds of people flock to and fro from the market stalls situated near the entrance. The city itself seems to climb like vines up along the mountainous terrain, with structures situated against the stony walls. Most notably, you see, resting on a raised basin from which water cascades over its edges, is an extravagant white castle. All right, Penevere, it seems like you'll be in heaven. Have fun merchanting. I'm sure Mr. Gray over here can introduce you to many wonderful potential business partners. Meanwhile, I have my own business to attend to. All right. If that's what you want to do, Finnevere. Well, priorities first. Looking for Cece and John are at the top of the list. <laughs> you think you're going to find them in this place? You'll be surprised what you can learn in a crowd. That's what you want to spend your time on. But if John is hiding, and he's hiding from the Red Guard nonetheless, I doubt the likes of you could find him. The best of luck. Finnevere, I'm with you. If you want to look for her, I'll help you. All right. After all, she's far more important than you know. All right. Before we split up, where to rendezvous? Uh, uh, do you have any suggestions? I heard we're crashing at Valen's place. Valen's eyes get wide for a moment. <sighs> Fine. Ugh. Then Cal you'll have to follow me there. Yeah, Finn can follow you there, and I'm sure Kelsey knows the way. No, you, the guards will not let you in. What? What's wrong with me? They might let Kelsey in, but honestly, they might think that you're forcing her and uh, just... What was that supposed to mean? Do I come off as domineering or controlling to you, Valen? You wear strange clothes and you are very odd as a person, Do yes. If you want me to change my clothing and that'll let me into your house somehow magically, then sure. Uh, what is the word you all use? Could you be less smoot? More Charles? I can be very Charles. It's okay, Valen. 
I'll figure something out. And Smoot will then begin heading off with Kelsey to the base of these monks' stairs, heading to the observatory to find one Randall Godsworn. Okay. So, Charles Smoot, you head off, Finnevere. Your goal was to try and find what is going on with Cece, or at least find where they might be? Well, the theory is um, an abrupt seeker man with one arm should not be that hard to identify in previous days. So, going the places where he would commonly go, and the places where people also like to talk, especially if you're generous with them, bars, going a a few places in, um, I guess, a we might even be able to figure out a radius if we can think of uh, what time Cecia appeared each day and uh, about what time we think that she normally wakes up. We can get about an idea of how far the location should be and then go in, go to bars around that area. That would theoretically take us to maybe you know, a couple hours of work, maybe. That's a, that's a theory. That This is, uh, you know, so you it makes throw, fantasy sense. So you throw all of that at uh, Valen? Mm-hmm. When you put your mind to it, Finnevere, you actually are mildly intelligent. I'm very impressed. Yeah, don't tell him I read that in a mystery novel. I, him to himself. <laughs> All right. Well, for the most part, Kelsey would have known what time she showed up. All right. Well, uh, did we break off already? Yep. Uh, well, then we'll have to catch up. So you want to go with them for now? No, we just need to ask a question, then we can get started. Okay. All right, then. So, Valen uh, continues with his Aquinthian riding forward, but he actually ends up steering it more towards a stable off to the left. But we can't go very far with these once we hit a certain part of the city, so... Alrighty. I suppose I know which direction they went off in, right? And it hasn't been that long, theoretically? Well, your explanation took several minutes, so they are a good number of minutes ahead of you. Okay. I don't know enough to where if it would make enough sense for Finn to run ahead and try to, like, you know, sprint up and catch them. You could. That's up to you. All right. I can trust you to manage the arranging of the Aquinthians' stay, and I'll catch up with them and meet back up with you. He raises an eyebrow. All right. Sure. All right. Be back in a bit, and he'll sprint off. All right. Charles Smoot, you and Kelsey are currently riding the Aquinthians through the city, but as you go further in, you begin to notice it's getting harder and harder to steer as the crowds have become thicker. Do we have somewhere to keep these mounts? I highly doubt they're coming all the way with us up the mountain. <sighs> I actually don't know where Valen got them, so I don't know what to do with them. I don't know if these are his uh, rentals. I don't know. Well, that does sound like a bit of a predicament, doesn't it? I guess we drop them back off at his place first, maybe. <sighs> Should I buy a change of clothes? Because apparently I'm more smoot and less Charles. It wouldn't be a bad idea. And Kelsey even looks down at herself. We have been walking around in our regular earth clothes for a while. What do people in this place even wear? You look around and you can see that the wealthier people seem to be wearing, well, at least the women are wearing what appear to be dresses and the men are wearing long tail-coated outfits. Well, that does not sound conducive to chopping people's heads off. I need a good, like, rotation ability for my shoulder. Ah, uh, you well, I mean, it's not bad since we have the armor on. It's kind of hiding it, but we still kind of stand out a bit. Yeah, I feel like the black jeans are kind of a dead giveaway. I'm 
just wearing leggings. That must really confuse people. Maybe they think you've, like, burned your lower half of your body. I have been getting a lot of stares. <laughs> uh, do you want to stop for a brief clothing stint first? Sure, let's see if we can find something at least, uh, maybe tribal, so that way people, uh, won't question us because we're out of towners. Yeah, nomadic. Nomadic. No. Kind of like Cece's outfit. Cece's outfit? What it was? It's kind of nomadic looking. I need parachute pants? Like a molly? Yeah, sure, why not? I can rock them. Ah, yeah, those were kind of cool. All right, let's take a look. All right, so, uh, Finnevier, you do see them as you're running ahead. They are currently dismounting and attempting to walk through the streets with the reins of the Aquinthians as you approach. Uh, I'll hail them. Kelsey! Uh, oh, uh, Finnevier, are you done already? No. Uh, Wouldn't surprise uh, me. Uh, just a second to catch my breath. It would help us greatly if you could remember what time Cece appeared each day that she arrived at uh, at Balin's estate. Think hard, this could be very helpful. I, I'm not going to lie, Finnevere. I don't know what time of day most of this is. There's no way for me to keep track of time. I'm not very good at it. Ah. Uh, okay. In general, it was usually... Oh, when the sun was up in the sky. All right, we can work with this. Don't worry. All right. Just calm down. I'm fine. How? Oh, wait. Uh, Valen's mother might know. After all, I mean, they are from here. All right, well, we're, we're all here together now anyways. Why don't we just go to Valen's house first? I thought we were going... Sh- okay, so we're going to Valen's house first. We can get rid of the horses and get me new clothes or something. Maybe yes. Valen has something my size. Oh, oh. Mr. Smoot, be careful of saying horses so often. I notice people keep looking at us funny. For saying horses? Yeah. Do you want me to say snake horses? I, I think they're called, they're called Aquinthians. What, that, that word doesn't mean anything. Ah, uh, the mounts, yes. Yeah, these mounts were riding. Okay. Well, there was a place to drop off the mounts where I came from. Is this, where, is Valen with us? No. Valen's uh, walking. Ven- Ven- where's Valen? Uh, <clears throat> he is... Arranging for them to be taken care of, or whatever it is that you need to do when you drop them off. Why are we so disorganized as a crew? What is happening to me? <laughs> An hour later, when they got things figured out, <laughs> we find Valen, we tell him we're all going back to his place. So literally, Finnevere, you lead them back to Valen. Valen's like walking up towards you guys, shakes his head. Now... Sir, all right, fine. So he takes the Aquinthians and then puts those in a nearby stable. It's fine. They know who they belong to. <sighs> the Greys are some of the, well, one of the six noble families here, so they will not be mistaken for anyone else's. So these are your horses. Okay, just wanted to clarify that. Yes. All right, Malin, you seem like a dapperly dressed fellow who still has range of motion. Where do I get clothes where I can still swing a big sword and not have to worry about tearing it? Oh, my family's tailor. Ugh. I don't, I don't I'm, Okay, listen, I just wanted something I could move in. I didn't want the whole aesthetic. All right. Uh, you're a very large man, Charles. It's going to require... Look around you, Charles. What do you see? A lot of people that I don't want to interact with. All right. You are very tall in comparison to these people. You do notice that uh, there are a number of people, like high society individuals, kind of the women hiding behind their fans. They walk by staring at you. Well, it's not my fault that apparently humanity's turned into a race of dwarves. Uh, Mr. Smoot, uh, you're a biologist. Doesn't that happen because of food shortages? 
Rubble, 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 rubble. Don't talk logic to me. Yeah, that probably makes sense. <laughs> yes, well. <sighs> All right, fine. I'll take you somewhere that you can at least get something that'll work for you. Come along. And so he gestures for you guys to follow after him. And Valen takes you to a relatively nice-looking shop where you walk in and it is open to the environment. It's more of a stall than anything, but there are loose garments and cloth. All right, here you are. No, I don't really know what to do here. I don't know what's happening to me. Charles, have you never been to a tailor? Well, yeah, sure, but I haven't swung around a giant bastard sword my entire life. It's kind of a new development. Surprisingly good at it, though. Right. Like a fish to water. All right, so I will treat you like an absolute idiot and explain to you, you have to have your size measured for clothing. Well, yeah, I, I get that much, but like what kind of clothing I feel like is kind of important. Sure. I, Charles Smoot walks up to the counter. Okay. You see there is an older gentleman sitting there who has very basic spectacles sitting on the bridge of his nose, and he is currently uh, holding in his mouth several pins, and he seems to be stitching a piece of clothing. Good day to you, sir. <laughs> he literally has to spit the pins out of his mouth. Oh, dang nabbit. Uh, good day, sir. How can I help you? Well, I need to get measured and fitted for something I can move in. He adjusts his spectacles as he looks down at your feet and then looks all the way up to the top of your head. You're probably going to need a lot more material than you're used to. I'm going to need a ladder, you say? All right, sir. And what sort of cut are you looking for? Something loose enough that I can move in it. All right. Let me see what I can do. And he seems to go... Oh, also, I want to clarify this just in case there's any confusion. I've seen a couple of these walking around. No cape. No. No capes. <laughs> no capes. Well, they're just the highest. All right. Oh, wait, actually, I could probably look pretty dashing in a cape. Kelsey kind of walks up. Or, honestly, I kind of I kind of dig Balin's coat. Balin, let me see your coat. Is it, does he just have a tailcoat? It is a type of tailcoat, yes. Oh, what if I get, like, one of those cool capes with, like, pauldrons that stick out? And we have the American flag on the back. All right. And the old older gentleman comes back out uh, from behind some cloth that is draped, and he pushes it open, and he seems to be carrying a solid stack of parchment, which he places in front of you, and starts showing you some designs. And Quentin is currently looking at images. And then he asks you, All right, and how would you be paying for this? Oh, Valen, how much does this tend to cost someone? Valen chuckles. <laughs> All right. I can spot you for now, since we will be getting paid when we head back to Amdrasbite. Oh, that's not what I said. I said, how much does this cost? Enough, Charles. Depends on the cut that you're getting. I ask the gentleman. Uh, yeah. how much does this tend to cost? For a full outfit, sir, it would be... Approximately a hundred silver pieces. Oh, that's not a problem. I'll probably be paying. Uh, hey, Valen, how much can I sell this for? And I um, flashed to him one of my gems, which had been previously appraised for around about a thousand silver pieces. How much you could. So you ask Valen after the piece has already been appraised, how much. Oh, I, I have two sapphires. Oh, uh, I'm not really. You think that would cover it? The uh, shopkeeper 
adjusts his spectacles. Oh, yes. Yes, it would cover it quite indeed with some change. Oh, I do like getting change back. Okay, that sounds fine by me. Okay. So he looks at you. All right, so we do typically half up front and the rest when the item is received. Well, why don't you just hold on to this and rush the job and I hand him the sapphire. He looks at it with a lot of excitement. Yes, sir. And all of a sudden, Charles Smoot, you are whisked away into a back room. Everyone else outside kind of hears like this odd sound. Charles Smoot having to say things like, oh, no, don't hunt there. Not that. Oh, God. Smoot, remember to make it uh, compatible with your equipment. Yeah, I'm immensely trying to do that. And Charles Smoot, a few minutes later, you come out a completely different man. You've experienced things, pampering that you've never experienced before. His face is actually nicely shaven as well. Wow, that's a full service. Oh my gosh. He can be handsome. Impossible. Wow. You think they'd let me in the gates now, Valen? Probably. You don't look like a wild animal anymore, at least. When was the last time you shaved? What? Who believes in shaving? You think I had a razor? Oh, wow. You actually look like the first time I met you again. Then Kelsey kind of shyly also gets measured and she returns. Okay, so this is going to take a while before we get things. So that was kind of pointless. All right. You guys ready? What is... Oh, are we going to my family's manor? Is that the plan now? Oh, not now. If we've already dropped off the horses and I've gotten measured, I guess I'm climbing like 10,000 steps. Something about monks. I earn mad respect if I can beat them and race them up the stairs. Sure. All right, Finnevere. Well, getting that timetable would reduce our search radius quite a bit. Why don't you just start asking around town and I'll see what I can do. All right. I guess we'll talk back and forth about a good place to start and then we'll head there. Okay. Um, Finnevere? Balin isn't very helpful in that circumstance. He sort of just says... I don't know. You know John better, so if you're going to start somewhere, start with a place he most likely would be then. All right. Is there a, um, uh, a seeker place here? No. Hmm. All right. Bars as it is, then. He's probably gotten kicked out of several of them. All right, so you start making your way. Valen splits off from you. Mm -hmm. uh, Charles, Smoot, and Kelsey also split off from the party. Okay, Benavir, go ahead and roll your diplomacy. This is going to be how you gather your information for any knowledge locals. All right. Uh, can I get a bonus if I'm being a little liberal with uh, change, like, you know, paying for drinks and, and food? That's what diplomacy is naturally, so there's not going to be a bonus with that. All right. Well, as this is important, I think I'll take my inspired roll for the day. All right. All right. That is a total of 30. Okay. Vinevere, you begin asking around the town, and while there doesn't seem to be much success in some of the bars you went to initially, there is one that sort of recognizes the description that you give of this man. And you receive information that he might have been potentially staying at a place called the Gentlewoman's Inn. And the owner of this inn is known as Miss So. Uh, do I get the spelling of that? Miss and S-O. S-O, okay. 
All right, I'll make my way to this gentlewoman's inn. Okay. After those few hours and maneuvering and navigating your way through, you recall maybe seeing that place and you make your way to this inn. And as you enter inside, you see that there is a very large woman who is currently standing behind her counter. She has dark auburn hair, and she seems to have a very cordial smile on her face. Overall, it appears to be a standard and quiet place. Good afternoon. Oh, hello, dear. Are you here for a room? Perhaps. I'm looking for a friend. Perhaps he's, uh, he still has a room available, and perhaps he still has a tab, even. I explained descriptions of uh, John and Cece. They would have been staying here some uh, few days ago. I don't know if they're still here. Oh, no, dearie. I, uh, I don't know anyone of that description. Oh, um, perhaps I could talk to someone who works the desk. I work the desk. Oh, you do? Well, I'm almost certain that they came by. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to miss. Uh, John is, you know, I, I kind of like gesture. He's, uh, missing a bit of himself. No, sorry, dear. No one like that came through. Uh, no, you best be along. I know. Is there any way for me to, I guess, get an idea of the type of dissuasion that's happening? Or, like, am I able to sense her motive? So, yes, that would be called a sense motive check. That is a 21. You can tell that she is definitely hiding something and that it is very likely that she has seen someone at least of that description. No, no, dear. Now, it'd be best that you get along your way. I'll reach into my coin purse and pull out a hundred silver coins and say, please, it is important. She looks at the coins that you placed on the table. Roll a diplomacy. Oh my gosh, that's another 30. Might I ask what you're looking for them for? They're very important to me. It's important to keep them safe. And I haven't seen them in some time. I'm sorry, dear, They're... but I was asked not to tell anyone where they might be or who they might have been with. But I suppose that there could be a potential way to check the place of residence, if that is of your concern. If it would be possible, madam. She places a steel key on the table and slowly slides it to you while she slides the coinage down to the other side of the table. Mm -hmm. All right, dear. Best be on your way. Upstairs to the back on the right. All right. I'll make my way upstairs to the back and to the right. All right. Then we're going up there. You find that she must have been indicating the very last door on the right-hand side. And you see that there is a keyhole. All right, I'll try the key. All right, you put the key in the keyhole and you jig a little bit. And after some extra attempts, it seems a little stuck, the door unlocks and you're able to go inside. All right, I'll shut the door behind me. All right. Uh, is it lit in here? You can make a perception check for me. All right. Yeah, I get all this way and this is where I fail. Watch out. That's a 13. All right. It appears to be an ordinary room, a little larger than the standard in suite, but it appears orderly and possibly recently made up. 
There's a basic set of two separate beds, an accordion screen in between them, a chest, and a desk. And on the opposite side of where you are standing from the entrance, there is a window, which appears to be partially opened as a breeze catches right against the curtains, blowing them inward and rattling against the pane. Hmm. You said the beds were made recently. Can I tell how recently? Can I tell, like, there are... Not without... with that check. All right. Can I inspect the ground for dust or lack thereof? The room appears to be relatively clean. If you would like, you can make a fresh perception check or take ten. I'll take ten on the uh, the dust. Actually, I'm in, I'm in a rush. I said I'll be... You know, I, I intend to be quick, so... Oh, well, yeah, that's where nat 20s come out. Okay, uh, um, uh, that's a 28. Okay. Benavir, you begin peering around the room, taking a closer look at things, trying to see how much dust has settled and more of a closer look at the bed. You can't tell how recently the bed has been made. In fact, there's very little dust as the wind has been sort of blowing and keeping it from settling properly. But as you begin... Oh, what was your total again? Uh, 28. Yeah. So as you begin really just digging around, you notice that on the desk, there are some ink stains and linear indentations in it. And then as you're crawling around on the floor and look under one of the beds, you notice that there seems to be a black feather stuck behind one of the legs of the beds as if it was blown in recently. And then, strangely enough, in the fireplace, you find a small scrap of paper that is singed all around the edges and has some holes in it. All right. May I try to flatten it out? As you begin to do that, you notice that the pieces on the edges start to crumble away. Can I try to make out, like, no, no, at an angle? Sure. So you more gingerly begin to unfurl this tiny, crisp piece of paper. And as the parts do crumble in your hand, you're more wary of it. But you're able to make out the faded lettering. What of the quarry? I'd like to take a, a smidgen of charcoal out of the fireplace. All right. The fireplace has been cleaned, but somehow... There does seem to be some small bits of charcoal in the back right corner. All right. I would like to try to rub this gently on the desk with the indentations and then uh, kind of like uh, hoping that the indentations will fill and then kind of like blow away the excess uh, to see if the, the things that are filled in will create a legible handwriting. Sure. So you begin to do this. But as you do, it doesn't seem these indentations are very deep and they're not catching the charcoal. All right. Uh, I'd like to check the chest. Okay. The chest is empty. And I check under it. There is nothing under the chest. You see some floorboards that have been recently waxed. I guess the last thing to inspect in this room would be the screen. Okay. You look at the accordion screen, which essentially is just a wooden screen with some decorative patterns on it. I guess I already checked under the beds. That's how I found the feather. 
You hear a knock on the door. Does it? Did I hear heavy footsteps before that? You were very focused on what you were doing and did not hear any footsteps. Uh, Deary, are you doing all right in there? I'll tuck the paper away and I'll, I'll, I'll smoosh it in with the, I guess, the pouch that has less wire in it now. Mm-hmm. Perfectly all right. Uh, I think uh, I'll open the door. Thank you very much. And I'll hand her the key. Okay. She'll receive it. And she is uh, staring at you. All right. Oh. With a smile on her face. If there's nothing else I can do for you, then I think I'll take my leave. All right, then, dearie. Run along now. All right. And I will take my leave. Okay. So, Charles Smoot. Stairs. Stairs. Kelsey guides you towards this observatory's, well, entrance. And she gestures towards the lift, which appears to have a counterweight system applied and it is a very long lift. It seems to go up for a good number of miles. And you see nearby are the sets of stairs where several people in these grayish-white robes are walking up. They are narrow and hang off the side of the mountain where there is no railing. Charles Smith sees this. He's not a man to be afraid of heights, but at the same time, the sheer length of the amount of stairs just seems inconvenient to him. And while he is an immensely boastful and prideful individual and would love to climb these stairs on any other occasion, he very much wants to have a conversation with this individual. Okay. So he will take, he'll probably try and take the lift. All right, Mr. Smoot, there's the stairs. Uh, I guess I'll see you at the top and... Several hours. She'll begin getting onto the lift, which is currently empty. And it actually appears there are two separate lifts. Charles Smoot will step on the lift as well. Oh, I thought you were going to take the stairs, Mr. Smoot. Have you changed your mind? I would do it in any other circumstance. But it seems like it's too time-consuming, and I have questions that I want answers to. Yeah, uh-huh. That's what you tell yourself at night. All right. Are you challenging me, Kelsey? Yes, I am. Clearly. No, Mr. Uh, Smoot, it's going to take a long time. Kelsey. Yes? The individual in the paintings that were given to Randall Godsworn. Yes. Both Finn and I had a vision of this figure. She looks at you surprised. That's why, as you were describing it, I was reiterating back to you what was in the painting. Glowing green eyes, long white robe, dark cloudy night, thunder and lightning. Oh, uh, I don't know what to say. That's very strange. Uh, You also said something about, like, it has begun. Yes. I... I don't know. That's very strange. So, Kelsey kind of looks down for a moment and then she grabs hold of a lever and pulls it and you start to hear as the weight from way up ahead and the rope begins coming taunt and the lift begins rising and after a few moments while you're there in silence Kelsey speaks up Hey, Mr. Smoot Kelsey Do you ever feel like there's something 
inside of you that shouldn't be there? Hmm. I don't know. I just... It's been happening for a while for me, but sometimes when I'm sleeping, I... I dream of this deep darkness. And I'm looking into it. And sometimes I hear something. Something guiding me. Calling to me. But then... There are times when there's something staring back at me from within it. A deep dark that I can't understand. And it frightens me. And, well, it's been getting... She looks kind of upset as she says this, but she clutches onto her, her arm. It's been getting worse. You say it speaks to you. Mm. What does it say? I don't always know. It just... It's a voice that feels familiar. <sighs> Vinevere has been encouraging me to use this power that I've had. I don't want to disappoint him, but I'm afraid if I keep pushing further into it, it's going to swallow me whole. Uh, since we've been here intermittently and Increasingly, as of late, I have also been having weird visions, dreams. In mine, it's less of black abyss, but more memories which seem tainted, and then eventually get swallowed up by some form of black liquid. Did they do something to us? Well, we were... Signed up to be in a sleep study for some medical experimentation. But who knows? The voice that I keep hearing, though. I know it. I think it's my brother. Hmm. And I just keep getting this strong urge that we need to go to the forest. Yeah. I agree. We've been sidetracked. As of recent. Kind of tossed about in everything, but I definitely do feel like the forest is where a lot of our answers lie. Because that's where all of this really began, isn't it? Well, hopefully this individual, Randall Godsworn, will be able to enlighten us and tell us who this mysterious green figure is. If we're lucky, perhaps it's the Far Traveler. Perhaps we can maybe figure out more about them. I hope so. It's actually nice to get to talk about this. It's the first time that we've really been alone. Away from the people of this place. Yeah. You two sort of then stare off at the city below as the lift rises up into the mountain. Until finally it passes through what appears some sort of solid metal structure that has a golden hue to it, and it stops at a platform. Alright. This is where we get off. Alright, well, hopefully we find more answers instead of questions. And I think that is where we're going to end off on today's episode of The Gate Chronicles. I want to start by saying Thank you to Matt Haynes for letting us use his voice as the bishop. I don't think I could ever 
produce that again, but yeah. Yeah, that was pretty great. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Haynes Vox. He is working on his website. He said it is not up yet, but you can go and follow him there. Give him the support and love because he really deserves it. And as always, we want to give a big thank you and shout out to Will Savino with Music D20, Michael Gelfi, and Ivan Dutch for allowing us to use their music and ambiance in today's episode. Additionally, if you enjoyed the episode or you've been enjoying this series, make sure you leave a rating and a review whenever podcast listening app that you're on, because that does help other listeners discover this awesome content and they deserve to listen and you know they do. And if you're interested in uh, reading the lore of the Gate Chronicles universe on Earth, because I am lazy and I don't have a better name for it, uh, you can go to our World Amble. Yeah, uh, that that's a thing that exists. Uh, you know, there's a way to get there. Just you'll, you'll figure it out. Uh, but, you know, a really good way to support the podcast is to go to our Patreon and donate to the podcast, uh, which actually helps us with uh, hosting fees, website and all that kind of stuff, as well as character art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you get access to things like GM notes. And these are actually on the World Anvil, but they're hidden. So unless you are a patron, you wouldn't be able to see them there. And there's more world lore for the Gate Chronicles. And, you know, if if we get more support there, then maybe Quinton will start uploading his notes to World Anvil. It'll make it so much easier for us. Anyway, uh, we always want to say thank you, foundlings, for listening and spending your time with us because we really do appreciate all of the opportunities that we have to interact with you and hear that you enjoy listening to us. Yeah. So I know who you are. Well, I don't really know who you are, but I know that you enjoy us. So, yeah, uh, I guess that's going to be all that I have. And we will see you next, next week on another episode. Chronicle chapter, that thing of the Gate Chronicles. Bye. Goodbye. Bye, guys. Bye.